Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. Welcome also to all of you who are uh, viewing this on the live stream. Glad to have you with us. Uh, even though you can view it live stream, still people make extraordinary efforts to be in our audience. I mean, when you'll bring your own beach chair, you're making a great effort, Kay. Thanks for the effort. You couldn't miss another Sunday, she said. I appreciate that. And uh, for being here. By the way, if they're on live stream camera guys, be sure and show her a couple of times. Uh, don't be sleeping. Uh, it's good to, good to see you today. You know, we've been in this series about loving God and loving others and sharing Jesus. And uh, uh, today we're going to uh, emphasize uh, the loving one another side of this, except you really can't you know, unwrap those things. They all, they, they go together in anything you do. And we're in Matthew chapter 22 is where we'll start today. Uh, and there you see this reply that we d- talked about last week where he says, uh, remember after the debate, they debated about the government paying Caesar to Caesar's. They had the government debate. They sent the Herodians and Pharisees in there. By the way, politics puts certain people together at certain times that they would never be together any other way, you know. But they're debating Jesus. Then they, then they send the Sadducees and have this big question about what happens, life after death stuff, what's heaven's like and all these kind of things. They debate that little bit of theology. And then comes this uh, expert in the law, young lawyer who comes and asks the question about uh, what's the greatest command. Because those Pharisees knew there's 600 and something of them. They've got them all laid out as to which ones you've got to keep, you know. And so they ask Jesus a question about the greatest command. And this is his answer, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says this, all the law and the prophets hang on these two. Now, the reason I want to talk about this text, we're going to deal with each place where this is written. In, in God's Word, uh, in terms of the New Testament. We're going to look at Matthew's, Mark's, and then Luke's uh, section of this. But first of all, in Matthew, I want you to know, this is a doctrinal statement. It's funny because sometimes when we think about doctrine, we're always thinking about uh, something that's been drilled into us as truth, and you don't violate this, you keep this, and that kind of thing. But there is not a more doctrinal statement than this. He says it fulfills the law of the prophets. Now, you think about that for a minute. One of the verses says it hangs, all the law and the prophets hang on this. Think about two pegs that something hangs on, okay? And so the commandments of, the, the, of loving God and everybody else, those are the pegs. And all, if you could just unscroll the Bible, unscroll every command, unscroll the prophets and all the laws, and just let them hang, they're hanging from these two. And so they're the origin of this whole thing. Because that's where God is about loving mankind and doing what he wants, wants for us. So there's that. But they're also the goal. Because at the end of these, when these are coming through your life, what happens? You should become a person that loves God with everything you are. He's not dividing these up, by the way, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Those are just, uh, uh, those overlap. Those are just the essence of all man is. He gives to God. And the result of that is he also loves one another. So they're the origin. Got it? They're the origin. Everything starts and hangs from the, but they're also the goal. Everything ends in those. So there's not a greater doctrinal statement. Got it? 
than to love God with all your heart, and they're all about you, and to love others. There is not another doctrinal statement any greater. Now, here's how we misunderstand it. I know we do because even though our terminology gives us away, well, that old brother there, he's not a very sound doctrine guy, you know, because we think he violates some truth we've discovered, and so we think he's not really quite solid. Although we'll turn right around and argue and say something ugly to our brother or sister in the church and not think about it at all. And we violated the greatest doctrine ever taught. Got it? That's kind of what happens to us when we don't understand this is a doctrinal statement. And it must be our doctrine. And if you don't practice this, you do not have sound doctrine. I don't care what other kind of religious activity goes on in your life. It is a doctrinal statement, but it's more than that. Look in the book of Mark. In Mark, it's a relational statement. Now, I want you to think about this because in this one, one of the teachers of the law came, Mark uh, 12, uh, uh, 28, where we are. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. They're debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked of all the commandments, which is the most important. The most important one Jesus answered is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is love your neighbors yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other one but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself is more important. Listen, everybody listen. Is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now wait a minute, what? Because Jesus turns around and says, by the way, next verse. When Jesus saw that he had answered what? Everybody see the text? What's it say? Look in your Bible. What's it say? Wisely. Jesus said you answered wisely. Here's what he said. Loving God and loving everybody else is more important than all the burnt offerings and all the sacrifices. He just got in one lump sum the entire sacrificial uh, structure of the law. You got it? Every command to offer and sacrifice, every religious uh, ritual and activity that they are to practice, he just got summed up and said, all those things, and those Jews knew every one of them, all those things are not as important as loving God and loving other people. Your relationship with God and other people trump You being right on your sacrifices and offerings. Got it? Now all those things are good and great if they're hanging on the greatest commands. But jerk them out from under that and they mean nothing. Now what does that mean in our context? All the communions in the world, all the bread you eat and all the grapefruit you drink, grape juice you drink at a communion, and all the money we give... And all the acts of worship and acapella singing or whatever else we choose to practice, all of our religious rituals and activities mean zero if we don't love God and love other people. Got it? We violate it and we don't even think about it. Here's how we do it. The church is what? 
the bride of Christ. Now, my bride, she was in the first service, so that's why I'm talking about her in the second. Uh, no, not really. I, I, I said this in the first service. Too. My bride, I, I love my bride. She's beautiful. Now, look, when we were young, yeah, we had a few fights and, and, you know, every now and then. You know, we didn't have a lot of those things, but we had a few around, the, around there, you know. But my love and her love for me, my lo- our love for God was greater than any of those kinds of things we're going to argue about. So uh, at the end of the day, I know, uh, hey, you know, we're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. She's not going anywhere. Because that's, that, all of our marriage is hanging on their loving God and loving, uh, loving each other. I remember one of our, uh, one of our first big tests came. We were in grad school at Abilene Christian University. Lived in a two-room apartment, you know. We were wealthy. We had more than one room. And so, we had two rooms. And so, uh, uh, one night we hadn't been there very long, and I mean, you know, she got mad about something. So she takes off down the stairs, because we lived up above the people who had the whole house. We got two. She runs down the stairs, gets in the car, and takes off. And I, I didn't, I didn't run after her. Because I knew we didn't know anybody in town, and she'd be coming back in a little bit, you know. So, so finally, here she comes driving back around, and she gets out. Well, she's kind of over the mad now, and we're talking about it. We get a little bit tickled. I'm like, where, do you, where were you going to go? I don't know. I was just so mad I had to leave. But then it made me even matter. I knew I had to come back, and you was just still going to be there, you know. I said, I'm not going anywhere, babe. We're in it for the long haul, right? And then we, we laughed about it. We got, oh, look, our, our, our marriage is hanging on something much greater than our human ability to get along. But she's my bride. Now, we'll have a few things, but now look, she's my bride. If I'm sitting around and I hear some guys or women talking about her, that's going to make me pretty upset because you're talking about my bride. So when you stand back in the foyer or in the parking lot or out there beside your car with a brother or sister and you're talking about something you don't like at this church and how mad you are at somebody or what, or something you got that's up in your crawl you can't get rid of, I'm telling you, don't talk about my bride. Don't talk about the bride of Christ. That's what Christ is saying. He's the bridegroom. His church is the bride. Don't talk about the bride. I'm going to tell you what else. You don't talk about the bride that meets across the street either. I don't want to hear one negative word about one of our brothers or sisters that worships at a different place or in a different way or that, or that their arrival in certain areas of scriptures might be different than ours. They're the body of Christ. They're Christ's bride. I ought to treat the bride with respect and honor. We got to get off that thing, Satan. Well, because I'll tell you what, you do that. You hear somebody talk bad about our church or about someone out here in the forest. Nobody walks up to them and says, "False doctrine, false doctrine." But you know what? They're violating the greatest doctrine that the Bible taught: love God and love others. Now that's where doctrine gets broke. And we've got to get back to understanding. It's relational. It's doctrinal. It's relational. But there's something else in the book of Luke when he mentions it. In Luke chapter 10, turn to that passage and you'll see it, that it's practical. How can you talk about love your neighbor or love one another and you not talk about Luke chapter 10? Verse 25, on an occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus' teacher. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law? 
how do you read it? And he answered, Love the Lord your God with your heart and your soul and with all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Now look at this phrase. Do this and you will live. You walk in, you're dying, something's wrong. Your doctor says, I'll tell you what, this here's right here. If you'll just do this, you'll live. Wow. I'm doing that. I got it. But he wanted to justify himself, so he said, who's my neighbor? Let me reply, Jesus said this. Now, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers, and they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, uh, uh, and uh, uh, left him uh, half dead. And a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and he took him uh, to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for extra expense that you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do like... Jesus said this. Jesus said to this Pharisee, you see that Samaritan that's a different race and different religion than you are? Go be like him. Go do what he did. You see... Fulfilling this doctrine and practicing this teaching, this greatest teaching, is one that we are challenged to practice every day. Now listen. My look at his wounds must be greater than my look at my wounds. Got it? What's going to help me on this thing of loving each other? My look at Christ's wounds must be greater than my look at my wounds. When I'm always looking about how I'm wounded in life, I'll find myself violating this text real quick because it becomes all about me. Now, this story always kind of tickles me a little bit because... We all know, you know, we all know we ought to love each other and help people when they're hurting and those kinds of things. But now... At my house, here's kind of how the way it was. When, when you got hurt, before you could get help, there had to be the explanation and, and assessment of blame. Do you, you understand that? So it's kind of like this. If I ran out of gas, which I never have because my dad said the most stupidest person in the world is the one who runs out of gas, you know you, you know you got to have gas. Why? So that's what you get. If you call him out of gas, the first thing you're going to get, why would a man drive on empty? You know you got to have gas. I don't know. Why didn't you stop? I mean, it's all that. Okay, Dad, I just come and help me. I mean, I, you know, but you got to go through the... My brother got a nail stuck in his foot one time, come hobbling, and he's bleeding, he's hurting. So the first thing is, oh, man, let's get that out. The first thing is, well, why would you run out there without your shoes on good night? A, man, you know, a person ought to know better. You know, so it's that kind of thing. You assess blame, didn't you help? Does your family work like that? I see some finger pointing. You didn't. It wasn't her. I can't imagine who it would be. What this guy didn't do, 
He didn't find this guy on the road and say, and, and say something like, uh, what are you doing on this road? Everybody knows this road has robbers. Why would you be by yourself that time of day on a road where there's robbers? Good night living. Let's get men help him, right? That doesn't, that's us. When we love one another, what we do, we run upon somebody who's wounded and hurt. We help. We help. It doesn't matter if their sin got them that way or bad decisions or other people's sinfulness, as in this case, got them that way. But we help those who are hurting. Yeah, somebody may be hurting and messed up inside and their marriage is messed up because they've been in drugs, they've been in alcohol. We find them in a hurt situation. And if they're open to it, we want to help them. Why? Because God helped me when I was helpless. So who am I to sit around and judge the reason you got here? doesn't matter. You're hurt, just like me. And God showed me grace. How could I not show grace to somebody else? You see, the ability to love comes from being nourished by God's love. Ephesians 3.17, May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. Let, let, let me tell you how, how difficult this is. It's easy to love you guys. That's easy. But when someone has hurt me, when I have an enemy, someone's offended me, then all of a sudden this thing becomes very, very difficult to love. You ever done that thing in teaching love? Al, you, we, we've, I've heard it done, guys, you know, like me and you teaching. You heard that thing, you get to the great chapter of love, you know, and they tell you, put your name in that slot where it says love, you know, like, you know, love bears all things. Love. And, you know, and you, I, I don't make it past one phrase, I'm just telling you. You know, love is kind, my kiss, well, not really. You know, I mean, there's been occasions I'm kind. You know, but not yesterday when a car run right in front of me and, and I just wanted to, you know, it's kind of like that time I was driving in Dallas and that, that guy cut me off and I was so mad. I was, tr- was in the new car. I was trying to honk, but instead I turned my wipers on. <laughs> and I, I just, I, kids were all in the car. I just, I just said, take that, you know. <laughs> so now it's a big joke. Anytime they, every time I turn my wipers on, they're like, Dad, who are you mad at now, you know. <laughs> well, we're like, I'm not kind. Look, don't put your name in that. You'll never make it. That's impossible. You put Jesus' name in there. And instead of this describing a love you can't complete, you put Jesus' name in there. It describes a love you can't resist. Got it? And that's what we need to be conscious of. Is that kind of love. You see, it's... It's a commandment to be obeyed. First John 4, so I've given you this command. Anyone who loves God must also love the brother and sister. It's a commandment. That means you have a choice. You can decide to keep this commandment. It's a commitment to be upheld. Romans 13, let no other debt stay outstanding except this continuing debt. It's an ongoing commitment you keep, see, to love one another. You know what else? It's a chore sometimes to be practiced, performed, isn't it? 
But I'll tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute. That's the hard thing. You talk about a chore. You want me to love my ex-wife who ran out, mistreated my kids, and you want me to love them? No, no. You want me to love the one that abused my child? No, no, no. You're asked, that's asking too much. That's, that's humanly impossible. I'm going to tell you, it is humanly impossible. You can only love those people when the roots of your heart are deep within the soil of God's love. For that's the place that gives you the nourishment because you have to have a deity kind of love to love people who have offended you in such a way. And it's a growth process. It's not something that's going to happen instantly. But you can love people who have done the worst things to you in life. You can love them because God loves you. But you can't do that out of your own human effort that will only come from a deepening of your roots of your heart down into the heart of God. Only God can love like that. And only God can give you the nourishment to practice that to some, someone else. You see why you can never separate these two? Not only is it a chore, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for all of us to grow, be more than we are. None of us have arrived. We're not fully mature. We're still growing. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And His love is made complete. That's the idea of being mature and growing in us. Well, it is a commandment, a commitment, sometimes a chore and a challenge. But it's always the right thing to do. Always. See, loving one another is a display of our love for God. Loving one another is a billboard for the community. It shouts out, the true disciples gather up right there at that place. Why? Jesus said, people, all men know you're my disciples because you love one another. And it is a reflection of our commitment to and our experience in the gospel. So don't cast a shadow on the greatest story ever told. So when I'm unloving to my wife and kids, I cast a shadow. I dim the light. When I'm unloving in my career to my boss or my people that I work with and for, I cast a shadow. I dim the light. Don't do that. Be sure and look at your life daily. Challenge this greatest thing. It's the greatest doctrine you'll ever have. And it's the thing that will take you to be more like God. It's the origin and the goal. Makes you look more like Jesus when we have that kind of love for one another. So here's what I want you to take home. I want you to find a brother today and hug him. Sisters, you find a sister and hug him. Okay, brothers, leave the sisters alone. Hug the brothers, okay? (laughs) 
Every now and then we'll have to teach somebody how to hug properly, won't we, Al? You know, come right out of the world. I mean, look, I'm trying to make it easier. I wore something that's all soft and, you know, you know I'm a big cuddly teddy bear, right? I mean, you can hug me today. Hug, find a, when you leave, find a brother and hug him. Give some expression to say, I love you, I appreciate you. Find the hurting and help them. Some of them will be on the front row here today. Some of them you already know about. They're sitting off by themselves. They, you, some of them, you've got an empty place beside you, and they're not here today because they're wounded and they're hurt. They need your call. They need your, your message. They need you saying, hey, I, I love you. I miss you. Find the hurting and help them. And find the lost and save them. And you save them by sharing with them the greatest story ever told of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It sure sounds simple. Greatest command, just, just love God and love everybody. But boy, I think there's a whole lot more to it, maybe, than we've really explored. But I'll tell you what, we have that one on right. We can, lo- loving each other right and loving God... We can work through all kinds of things we disagree with. We can work through doctrinal things. We can work through studying stuff. We give each other grace and love. We grow together. But that, all those kind of things take place easily then. But if we violate the other first, we never get past anything else. Love God and love each other. And if you want God to love on you, just look at the story of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection. He loved you. And if you want to make him the Lord of your life, you walk down here and be baptized into Christ, be regenerated, start all over again. Make this the greatest command in your life by obeying the greatest message of the gospel to being baptized into Christ. If you've got off center, hey, it's a good time to get refocused. Whatever need you have today, come while we stand and sing the song.